0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome
1: back to the Amazing Mets Podcast. Today we'll be having an interview with Mets pitching prospect Chris Vial. After that we will basically go over our thoughts on Mets spring training performance so far as well as some of the injuries to note. Welcome back to the Amazing Mets podcast this week. Uh, so this week is going to be a little bit different. Uh, John will not be joining us as he has come down with uh, the flu, so he's really not feeling well. But luckily we're joined by one of our favorite callers, usually called annually. Uh, we have Tim, otherwise known as Station on Instagram. Hey, Tim. Hey, Jake. What's up? Awesome. I'm re- I'm um. really excited to have you. Yeah. So um, we're going to be going into the Chris Vile interview in a few minutes, but we can talk a little bit about um, just you as a Mets fan and talk a little bit about um, how long you've been a fan and, and some of the good moments you've been at. Is he in here? No, not yet. So we can talk a little bit. We're just gonna talk a little oh. bit about you, and so that everyone can learn a little bit about you. Um, oh, I, oh, I thought we were on air. My bad. No, yeah, no, okay. no, we're still on air right now. Um, oh. but we're just gonna generally. I, I, I feel like we should learn a little bit more about you. So, um, um,
2: I want you a Mets
3: fan? I have been a Mets fan for um, my whole life. Yeah. I i Have watched almost every single game since twenty thirteen, and yeah, I've my favorite moment as watching the Mets fan is probably our twenty fifteen run.
1: Yeah. So, did uh, you go to games often?
3: Um, I couldn't make it out to a game this year. Um, family was busy and all that, but I usually go at least like twice a year and all that.
1: Yeah, of course. I what are what are some of the some of the big moments you've been at? If you've been at any,
3: um, I'm. I'm usually unlucky and don't get to go to many games, but I was lucky when I got to see David Wright play when I was young because I, yeah.
1: No, yeah, for sure. I I saw, um, I was actually at David Wright's final game, so.
3: Wow. Yeah, obviously David movie. Wright
1: is a, yeah, he's a sore subject. Uh, I love the guy, but it, it's it's really sad how how it had to end, unfortunately. hmm yeah,
3: great player. Great. Yeah. So during that
1: 2015 run, what what games did you get out to? If you got out to any?
3: Um, that was also another year. My brother was going to college and all that, and yeah, couldn't make it out to any that year too.
1: Super busy. Yeah. No. Yeah. My I think my my biggest highlight from from that 2015 run was probably Cepeda's first game, which was totally surprise time. I mean. We it was we bought the tickets super in, in advance, super cheap, um, and it ended up being Cesspool's first game with us. So it was the beginning of uh, I'm pretty sure he didn't do too well in that game. I'm pretty sure he went 0 for 4, if my <laughs> memory serves me correctly. But um, yeah, no, that's the uh, Overall, I feel like either that or I also I was at um, the Cesspool's bat flip game. That flip game. Bat really?
3: Oh, that was yeah. A great that was
1: moment. that
3: That's... was awesome. I know. I when actually... I was watching that, I was hyped.
1: Oh yeah. No, that that was that was the game to game to be at if, if we were at any. So I was super mm-hmm. excited about that. Um, yeah. Actually, I was super sick. I was super sick too, like John is. So it's a little bit ironic that we started talking about that, but um, yeah, I was super sick. Did not think we were gonna go, and I was like, you know, Dad. This is, like, one of those once-in-a-lifetime opportunities to maybe see something very special, and it turns out we got to see something that a lot of people still remember and still talk about. Yep, that was a great moment. Yeah, I loved it. So, um, we're still waiting for Chris. He should be on in should a I, minute. So or should, should I introduce myself a little more? Yeah, sure. Good. good. Talk about yourself. Let us learn a little bit.
3: So, um, as you may know, I run Mets. station on Instagram. I've run that for a uh, year or two. And um, I recently, I found an interest in our minor league system. So, I think last July, I started to make um, NYM.minors. And, yeah, it's been growing since.
1: Awesome. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, I mean, I personally, I found you. Pretty sure you followed me, and I found you. And, I, I mean, I genuinely... Enjoy your content. So mm-hmm. uh, I've been a big fan of your account account. Oh, I I appreciate that. Um, yeah, no, I'm excited to. When we had to find another ho- another host, that I felt like this, this was the one that I really had to push for. So, um, I'm Thank super you. excited Thank for you, you to be here. I'm excited to talk about spring training in a little while, and I'm excited to do this interview with you. So, hopefully, mm-hmm. Chris is calling. Like uh, he said, he was going to be calling 805. So, let's see. Busy guy. Yeah, so let's just, you know what, let's talk a little bit more about you. So, who is uh, your current favorite player, would you say?
3: Um, My favorite player used to be David Wright, but, of course, he re- recently retired. Um, My favorite player that I um try to model my game after is Jacob DeGrom. I love the way he plays. I've always been a fan of him. He goes after every batter with no fear
1: yeah no that's awesome and a great guy to model your game after so we'll we'll talk mm-hmm. a little bit more later so we can we can get the audience to know you a bit better but for now chris vile is ready to come on in welcome great chris.
2: hey
1: how you doing how's it going chris so uh, we're sort of just going to jump right into it so we can get as much information out of you as possible um, sounds all good. But yeah, Tim is going to start with the first question and we'll go back and forth.
3: Okay, Perfect. so in 2013 you were drafted by the Giants in the 39th round and you decided not to sign. What was the yep. decision to push off the MLB like for you?
0: Um, so going into that uh kind of signing period in high school, I was committed to Stanford and I always had a real emphasis on um like valuing the college education and both of my parents valued it highly, so for me, if I were to have gone out of high school, it really would have been—I I would have had to be picked much higher up uh, than I actually did. So I don't—it wasn't a real expect, uh, like thought for me to sign in the thirty-ninth round out of high school. But mm-hmm. it was nice to be picked. Obviously, it was awesome to be picked. Yeah. No.
1: Um congratulations on getting picked two times. Not not everyone in the world can say they got picked in the major league drafts twice. Um,
0: yeah.
1: So, obviously, they picked you for a great reason. You were a great pitcher out of high school, and you had an, an amazing time at Stanford. Um, Thanks. You. You, while at Stanford, you hopped around from starter to reliever pretty often. Which one do mm-hmm. you think during that time you became more comfortable with?
0: I'm more comfortable as a starter. Um, but I think that being able to go into both roles in college uh, is a big advantage for me because, you know, going into, um, years forward as a baseball player, I mean, I want to stay as a starter. I think my stuff plays best as a starter, but I just want to go out there and play some baseball and be competitive. So if they need me out of the pen, I already have, uh, a lot of experience that I can fall back on and I can fall into that role fairly easily if needed.
3: Of course. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have another question for you. Um, What do you think was the biggest difference in your game between 2013 and 2016?
0: I think the biggest difference in my game was probably knowing more about pitch selection. Because in 2013, I was just coming out of high school. And you throw decently hard in high school. Like, I probably threw 80% fastballs in high school because the level of competition just wouldn't really catch up to the velocity. But in college, you have to learn how to mix speeds, how to put your pitches where you want them to be, and then how to, like, correctly know when to throw a slider, when to throw a change up. Etc.
1: Mm-hmm. and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about your pitches in a while uh, a little bit because I was curious about that as well um mm-hmm. but as what what would you say is probably your favorite memory um at Stanford as a cardinal overall in your time there?
0: Um, favorite memory would probably be it wasn't at Stanford because we were playing at Vanderbilt um but my freshman year I was able to plan a super regional at Vanderbilt. Unfortunately we lost and Vanderbilt went on to win the college world series that year. Uh, but that was just an amazing experience. It was a great group of guys um, and being able to play on that stage, and compete at that level, especially as a freshman for me, was just a great experience.
3: Of course. Um what was it like for you to be drafted by the Mets as a West coast native going all the way to the other side of the United States?
0: Um, I mean, going into the draft, you, at least I pretty much accepted that. I mean, wherever picks you, picks you. If if it's Toronto, if it's the Mets, et cetera, you're going to get up and you're going to move. It's a very small percentage chance that you have a team draft you. That's local. Um, and Mm -hmm. I really liked the Mets organization going in. I had talked to my, at the time, advisor, and he really enjoyed uh, the way that the Mets um, work with pitchers and work with guys within the organization to build them up, like uh, DeGrom or Syndergaard, you know, the amazing, um, like, pitching work in that kind of regard. So when I heard... Or when I saw that I was drafted by the Mets, that so was definitely a huge positive, and we were uh, really—I was—I really enjoyed that I'm able to be part of this organization. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, as we were talking about a little bit earlier uh, with your pitches, so just to confirm, your pitch selection goes from fastball, curveball to changeup, correct?
0: Uh, fastball, slider, changeup. Yeah. Slider,
1: changeup. Oh, up. Okay. I, I, yeah. I Sorry uh, about that. No, it's cool. Um, so between those, which one do you feel like you can rely on uh, most heavily?
0: Um, I mean, I think most starting pitchers have to uh, defer to fastballs in most situations. I mean, I throw decently hard, so I'm able to get out of a lot of situations via a fastball. But the main part of my game that I look to improve on and move forward with is, one, placing the fastball consistently um, in areas to lower my pitch count and get me deeper into games, and then, two, to do the same with my off-speed pitches, although they might not be my uh, first line of um, offense. Um, uh, is
3: there someone you have faced? So far in your professional career, that so far that um, has stood out, or has been really hard to get, or has made a like their debut in the MLB or something like that.
0: Um, so far that stood out it would probably be um. So in college, that would definitely be Carson Fulmer, just because he has a really oh. aggressive windup, um, and he I I faced him I think twice. And we saw him when wow. he was a closer, and that his stuff was electric as a closer and also as a starter. Um, and then in, at the pro level, I believe I pitched against Vladimir Guerrero my first, like, wow. short season. Or <clears> junior, <throat> obviously. Um, and I didn't really know how good he was, and I kind of just threw <laughs> him an inside fastball, and he almost murdered my third baseman. So that was <laughs> a good one. It was a line-out, though, so I got him out. So it was okay.
3: Good.
1: Awesome, awesome. a lot like people can uh, say the, that he got a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah. Sure. Um, so, obviously, I mean, I, I feel like some of the guys we ask this usually defer to, like, the baseball is more of a team sport. But overall, going mm-hmm. into 2019, what do you think is a personal goal? Because, obviously, to make a team, you need the individual. So, what do you think going into 2019 is, is the biggest part of your game that, that you want to – Uh, makeup?
0: I mean, going into 2019, I think I'm trying to put less, like, I try not to put super high stress on myself. I just I go out, I compete, I enjoy playing baseball, and I put, like, I put in all the effort that I can, and I do I think everything that I can to put myself in the best situation. Um, But if I had to put it down to one specific thing. I just want to um, increase the accuracy rate of my basketball. I think if I, like that would be the number one thing that I look to improve this year. Um,
3: putting baseball aside, you are a big social media presence and frequently re- respond to fans. Unlike a lot of players mm-hmm. do. Can you speak on why you think that connection with your fans is so important?
0: Uh, yeah, of course. Um, so, I don't know. I I think that social media is awesome in some ways, but it's terrible in others. And uh, kind of a couple off-seasons ago, I was talking to a um, like a sibling of one of my friends, and she's younger. She's in middle school. And mm-hmm. she was, like, talking about social media and, like, ha- and it seemed like just as a negative thing, it was always, like, a negative thing, like people being mean, mean. So, I kind of took it, and I was like, why don't I invert that? And then, Mm. like, if somebody responds to me and they're like, hey, can you look at my swing? Yeah, of course I can look at your swing. Mm. It'll take five seconds out of my day. And if that makes some kids' day a lot better, then, like, who am I to not take those five seconds? And, like, Mm -hmm. sometimes you do face backlash because some people will say, hey, you're a jerk or whatever. You're, like, a not (laughs) nice guy. But that (laughs) comes with anything. And... If I guess if you're gonna grow a larger platform, those people will come, and you just have to ignore that or hope that they have a more positive day. Honestly, because if you're lashing out at people online,
1: mm-hmm. you're
0: probably not feeling very good about yourself.
1: Yeah. Yep. No, that's super admirable, and I, I appreciate you. I mean, I wish every baseball player had the had the know with all to to really take the time and connect with kids because I think a huge part of the game I mean I'm still I'm not that old but I think a huge mm-hmm. part of the game is including youth and and being uh, continuing to bring baseball to the youth um, and just uh, so we're almost done uh, but to mm-hmm. finish it off I wanted to do a few a few short questions just to get like the, the small fun facts out of the way of course so first of all favorite food
0: Steak. Steak. Yeah, not classic. Uh, favorite <laughs> movie. Ooh. I actually recently got asked that and I didn't have an answer. Um mm-hmm. Going with a cliche for Gump. I mean That's it's a good look. it may be C but but it's a it's a good it's a
1: good choice. Um yeah. and then your favorite you. team growing up.
0: Uh the San Francisco Giants, because I'm from the Bay Area in California.
1: Mm -hmm. And then lastly, your favorite player growing up?
0: Um, Was Matt Kane because he pitched on the track. Mm. Jake, I hope you Mm -hmm. don't mind
1: me asking
3: one more question. Um,
0: Yeah, go for it.
3: Do you have a pregame routine you go to
0: or use every day before your uh, game day? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I have like a – kind of bare bones pregame routine um one of my issues is that i try to structure stuff a little bit too much um in my day-to-day so with my pregame routine i have like a general progression um that i do over like three hours or hour, however long i'm at the field um mm-hmm. but it's not something that's super super regimented i feel like if i have too much of a structure and that kind of stuff and it's taking away from me just kind of grabbing a baseball, going out there and competing. Just at the end of the day, that's what the game is. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Chris, I really appreciate you coming on. I wish you all good luck going into 2019, and I hope we can talk soon and maybe have you on again sometime.
0: Yeah, that sounds amazing. Thank you guys so much for having me.
1: No problem. Of course. All right. So we're going to be going into the break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about injuries and talk a little bit more about spring training. Hello, Diamondback fans. Are you excited for baseball to be back? Hop over to the Rattle Up podcast at 11 Eastern, 9 Mountain Time on Friday, March the 1st, and we will break down everything going on in the DVACs clubhouse and recap spring training games, along with general MLB news. We will talk about the impact of Nolan Arenado's record-breaking 8-year, $260 million extension and how that will impact the NL West. And later in the show, we will predict statistics for all the starters on the Diamondbacks roster, including guys like Zach Granke, Robbie Ray, Zach Godley, Luke Weaver, Merrill Kelly, and more. Don't miss this week's episode of Rattle Up this Friday at 11 Eastern, 9 Mountain Time. Again, that is this See you there. All right. So, welcome back from the ad. Uh, So, before we jump into uh, the injuries that we want to talk about, uh, we're going to do a few uh, of our weekly awards. So, uh, just to kick it off, we're going to start with our MVP, then we'll talk about our Cy Young, and we'll talk about uh, our rookie, which I think we all know already. Um, So, uh first i'm gonna i'm gonna go do my m v p and if tim wants to do his own he will also do his so so far my my m v p is j d davis um former guest of this podcast actually so uh i mean he's had an excellent excellent spring training so far he's put the ball in in places in in different places in the field he's uh, shown his power off he i mean he he really has put together a super good off season and he's played almost every game so far. Um so it just seems like he's pretty easy to choose. Uh Tim, do you have do you have someone else that you can think of or do you agree Um
3: I I would have to agree on you with JD Davis. I think he's um trying to prove himself to get that probably last bench spot or maybe first base spot if no one can else play that no one else can play that spot. Um but yeah, I think he's been proving himself I think he can definitely get that bench slot or that starting spot. Yeah. And,
1: yeah. And I, I hope he does take that first base spot. Um, he has been playing a lot of third base, and he's made some actually really um, unexpectedly nice defensive plays. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, oh. if he continues to impress this whole entire spring training. I personally think he's a good um, outlet for maybe Todd Frazier. Uh, maybe Jed Lowry, depending on how those injuries go about, um, or even taking the interim spot from uh, either Dominic Smith or potentially Todd Frazier, who's also injured with without a timetable right now. So I think he definitely, if he continues to uh, be at this high of a level and if, if the Mets decide to wait the two weeks with Alonzo and uh, just go with JD Davis, I mean, I think if he continues to, hit like this, I think he definitely wins the spot. Mm -hmm. If he can
3: perform like he did in AAA last year, that would just be amazing for us.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that, that would be amazing. He hasn't translated it to uh, the major league yet, but uh, I think this transition, giving him a much more uh, important spot during the spring training and putting a lot more um, investment into him, I think that'll maybe wake him up a little bit and Hopefully he can he can make the major league roster and maybe be a starter on opening day. Yep. Um, so let's talk about the Cy Youngs, which is a little bit weird just because it's the first week and no one has yeah. picked more four innings yet. So um, personally, my Cy Young is gonna. I'm gonna have to go with um, for a starter. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do two. I'm gonna do a starter and I'll do a. Um. I'm gonna do a starter and I'll do a relief pitcher. So my starter so far that impressed me the most was Syndergaard. I mean he got through two mm-hmm. innings and he looked good while doing it. And uh, I mean I'm a big fan of the huge beard.
2: So <laughs> I think I
1: think I think he, I think he looked great. Um, yeah. So d- do you agree or do you have someone else
3: that? Yeah, I have to agree on that one. He was the only pitcher that went two innings out of our okay. starters, I believe, that actually let zero runs. Matt slept a home run to Louis Brinson the other day. So, yeah, I would have to agree. Syndergaard is our Cy Young of the week. Mm-hmm. And then
1: my two – I have to go with two relievers because they both have excelled um, and have not given up a run yet between their two innings each is Luis Avalon and Tim Peterson. And I think – I mean, I talked about this last week uh, during our preview. I think guys like Avalon, Bachelor, um Peterson, the, all those young guys that are, are not the biggest names are probably going to be a big part of this team that keeps our bullpen as healthy as possible and keeps our bullpen as active as possible uh, throughout the whole entire season and keeps guys like Diaz good and keeps guys like Familia good. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm excited mm-hmm. to see what else these kids have to do. I mean, they haven't even give up given up a run yet, so... It's been only two innings would, but you know.
3: I would agree with Avalon. Um he's definitely on the um edge of making the major league roster and I think if he keeps up um the zero runs in spring training, he could definitely get that spot and earn his spot on the opening day roster as our second lefty.
1: Yeah, for sure. And then we'll go to our rookies. Uh obviously. I mean I don't think there's really much doubt mm-hmm. but. the uh, Peter Alonzo has has yep. really impressed so far. I mean, over just 14 plate appearances, he's walked twice. He has a nice home run that he hit, a couple of singles, a nice double, an opposite field single, which we'll go over when we go through um, the game so far. I mean, it's just done everything from A to Z other than scaling bases, which I don't really expect him to start doing. At any point, and I don't think anyone expected mm-hmm. him to. So he's mm-hmm. he's four tool player that might as well be called a five tool player right now. Yes, I agree. Alonso
3: Zuniga, yeah, our rookie of the century.
1: Yeah, by far. Um. So yeah, that that's sort of our our weekly awards. I'm going to assume that's going to change up a little bit. Maybe we'll get some some guys who have really good pitching leaks and some guys who hit a little bit better. Um, so yeah now we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Todd Frazier injury to Mm -hmm. his left oblique Um, he has not been given a return date yet Uh, he did receive a cortisone injection but it doesn't really sort of weird that the two old guys that were going to be pushing together this this infield uh, have both gone down without a timetable Yes. I mean, um, to me, uh, personally, I think it's a little bit stressful. Um, but then mm-hmm. again, I think it opens up a spot for guys like Davis, uh, opens mm-hmm. up a spot for guys like Beria, who can possibly play other positions in the field. It, it sort of loosens uh, the hold on what I, I would think is sort of the veteran reliance, since we're paying them millions rather than the young guys who are be getting paid, um, nothing.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: I think um, this is where Brody Van Wagenen's um, depth moves come in. Um, if we didn't sign, like, all these guys like Echeverria and all of them, we, um, this is where it comes in and helps us because when a Todd Frazier injury or a Jed Lowry injury comes in, we can slide in J.D. Davis, we can sign in Espinosa, we can slide in Echeverria, and we can find so many people and it just doesn't and they're pretty good players too so it it's like not that we're losing a spot there at all
1: yeah and, and i i have to totally agree with you i mean i've been i've been preaching for brody i've been really on his side this whole entire off season um but uh, i mean this depth thing it re- it really is going to pan out i think it's something that we've lacked for multiple years um and I'm happy it's been solved, and it's literally unfolding in front of us how it will be solved. Because honestly, even with Jed Lowry and Todd Frazier out, say they're out the first two weeks, I'm not uncomfortable. I'm happy with Hatch in the field. I'm happy with Rosario in the field. I'm happy mm-hmm. with J. Davis in the field. We have Dominic Smith. We have, I mean, Cano. I think is a rock. I think he'll be around. He, he usually, yep. he usually. I mean, he has a track record of of playing very often. So, um. Mm-hmm. I think this infield, even with these two guys who are two big names, team going down, uh, without a timetable, which could mean a lot of things. It could mean next week if he feels better he's going to play, it could mean that he doesn't play the first month. Um, mm-hmm. Totally agree. So, yeah, we'll see We'll see how those work out. Um, yeah, so I think, as I touched on a little bit earlier, I think the Todd Frazier going down, I mean, of all players to go down, I wish no harm on any of our players. But logistically, mm-hmm. I think of all of our infielders to go down, I'm I'm not happy it was Todd Frazier. I'm happy that it didn't happen to one of the young guys that we're relying on, not only for this year, but for the future. Because once they get that role, they're in it for a while. So, um, Yep, I totally agree on that. Yeah. It, I mean, it's it sucks. I never want one of our players to... Get, to get injured, but you know, so that, that wraps up the injuries other than Nemo undercooking chicken and making himself <laughs> sick. Already batting today, he's totally fine. I just think it's at this point we can laugh because at first it was like a little bit nerve-wracking, like, oh my god, did he truly make himself sick, but uh, we can laugh at it now because he's, a, he's already back and he's already going to be he- hitting either tomorrow or on Saturday. Um, yep. So now we're going to jump Back into a break, and then after that, we'll be talking about um, going through each game and talking about uh, our highlights for those games.
2: Yep. Hey, guys, this is Benson from Bucko Booth, also producer here on this show. Just want to make sure you tune in this Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern. We have a very special episode of Bucko Booth for you. Pirates baseball is finally back. We're going to break down the week that was Pirates Baseball, and we are so excited to give our weekly awards, Player of the Week, Pitcher of the Week, Rookie of the Week, and maybe a Glove of the Week. You won't want to miss that. And so far, so good for Francisco Liriano. He's on pace as of right now to make the opening day roster what his role look like. Also, terrible news that Elias Diaz could miss opening day with an undisclosed illness and we're going to be talking about Doc Emmerich joining the Bucks announcing team earlier this week. All that and much more on this week's episode of Bucco Booth. Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern. You don't want to miss it. All So we're back. And
1: uh, we're going to talk a little bit about – go a little bit in depth to each game and talk about what sort of impressed us, things that – obviously, spring training, you win and lose games, you, you get a record, mm-hmm. but – Really what you're looking for is individual performances. Um, which you don't always do when you watch baseball, but that that's essentially what I look, look for. I, I don't know if you do the same thing, Tim.
3: Yeah, um I love looking forward to see the new guys coming in. I love seeing guys like Tim Tebow, Dilson Herrera, Rhymer <laughs> and guys who normally wouldn't play. Get to see them and see what um get a peek of what our future would be. And the other day we got to see um seventeen year old Ronnie Marci- Mauricio, um, and, yeah, he unfortunately struck out, but just great to see guys that are that young play on the Mets, walking them live.
1: Exactly. I just think it's sort of, in a way, it's fantasy camp for those guys, and, I mean, if they if they do make it great, but some of these guys won't make it, and this will be their, their major league opportunity, so it's fun to watch. It's fun to take notes on some of the guys and, and see how they do. Um. So, first, mm-hmm. we're going to be – we're going to be talking about our first game, February 23rd. We played the Braves, and we won 4-3. Mm-hmm. to three. Uh, yep. Obviously, I watched the whole game. I was super excited Thank about you. it. I was glued to the screen. Baseball yeah. Back. I, I mean, just having baseball back, it, it's a great feeling. Uh, I mean, I love the Mets, but hopping from game to game is, is a feeling I haven't had in a long time. So, um, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited for it to be back. So, in our first game, obviously, the highlight of the whole game, I think any Mets fan can agree that Alonzo's homer was on the first pitch that he saw in professional camp. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just went dead center. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I think we up. talked about it a little bit earlier. He's obviously our rookie of the year so far. Um, and he he's already impressed me.
3: Um, it's also good to see um, Newly acquired Met Robinson Cano go one for three with a um, RBI on the day. So, yeah, it was good to see that, too, from, yeah, from our off season.
1: Yeah, I don't know about you, Tim, but, I mean, seeing him literally in the Met, like, of course, we've had this conception that he's going to be a Met, but seeing him in the uniform, just seeing yeah, him surreal. Yeah, as, as a New York fan, obviously, I, I've known Robinson Cano for a long time, as you have, that. He was a Yankee, and and knowing him as a Yankee and seeing him in a Mets uniform, I mean, it was was the same feeling as Curtis Granderson coming over um, and seeing him in a Mets uniform. Mm
3: -hmm. Um,
1: So a few other highlights that I'll quickly go through because they were sort of smaller. Uh, Conforto had a nice hit up the middle, um, and it just seemed like his, his fundamental swing is sort of back in check. It sort of seemed like it fell out a little bit towards the end of last year. Um, to, towards the end end obviously he had a pretty good second half but towards the end, end it seemed uh, he started to fall out and have a little bit of a different swing but it seems like it's back after this, this knock um, and then obviously Kyle Gowdy impressed uh, I was excited to see him obviously we've had him on the show so it was super cool to see someone um, mm-hmm. a few actually it was super cool to see them as, as I've talked to them and I know a little bit more about them.
3: Yeah, it's all the to top, top ten prospect Anthony K. with his first pickoff of his pro debut in the spring training.
1: Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, I, I instantly, I just thought like, I think a big part of a pitcher, yeah, you can throw hard, yeah, you can, you can, uh, place your pitch as well. But being a smart baseball player is a totally another, uh, a total, total mm-hmm. step. So Anthony K went through this inning. He already, before he had an out, he had a man on first and third uh, after an error and a single, which was a little bit, I mean, pressing towards me because I'm a big Anthony K fan. I want him to be a part of this rotation in the future. Um, So I was watching this inning specifically closely. Um, So after that, he has a man on first and third. Instantly with, honestly, probably one of the, the Mets are known to be giving up stolen bases often because of our pickoff moves um, and not checking runners often enough. And to see Mm -hmm. a really nice uh, pickoff move was super exciting. Um, It's some of the small things that really excite me personally. Uh, So that pickoff move to take out um, the runner was great. And then he went straight into, he already had two strikes, so the next pitch was a strikeout, and then he uh, got a pop up. So I-, I just wanted to yep. highlight: I love smart baseball. It's it's one thing to play the game; it's one th- it's one thing to think about it smartly and to make the correct decision.
3: Um, are we going to jump into our second game against the Astros, or which game we we'll jump yeah, in sure, into Yeah, sure, go for it, go for it. Um, obviously, this wasn't the best game; we lost ten to one. But we got to see a lot of new faces on the Mets, such as Keon Broxton and Wilson Ramos's debut.
1: Yeah, I mean Wilson Ramos obviously also impressed in his debut. He went two for two, um, which which is awesome. I, I love to see a hitting catcher. I'm excited to see Darno come up later in spring training. Obviously, they're they're slowing him because of his uh, Tommy John surgery. So uh, really excited to see him later in spring training. But Ramos is nice uh, to be uh, impressed me right now. And another um, new name
3: we saw was Tim Tebow. Sorry for you off there. Um, he hit the ball. The he hit the ball twice, very hard, like a deep um, left
1: field a few, few times. Good to see that. Yeah, it was a diving catch made on him, which was uh, one of the top highlights of the day. So, uh, I think that's mm-hmm. probably one of the best ways that Tim Tebow would be in the highlight reel each day. But that's just my personal <laughs> opinion. Um, and then, yeah, obviously Alonzo hit a double in that game, and uh, pitchers just had a, a bad day. I mean, none of the pitchers in the game really stood out to me as um, having an individually nice performance. Obviously, the Astros have a top form system along with a top team, so it's, I, I give our guys a bit of credit to holding them to just 10 runs, but that's just me. I think Obviously there are a bunch of young guys. This was um sort of an in betweener day where they sort of just threw guys out there because it was the second day. Um mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that that's that's about it. Um going into the to third game? Yeah, yeah. All going into right. that third day against the Astros tied um for our first tie of the off season, which is the worst thing possible. Um mm-hmm. Obviously, we had a super slow offensive day as all three runs came on one hit by David Thompson, who has been mm-hmm. uh, a prospect for us for a while. And it, it's nice mm-hmm. to see him uh, hit the ball hard. Yeah, it's also good to see uh, our Young of the week,
3: Noah Syndergaard, go strong, pitch two innings, punch two people out. And yeah, good to see him out there. Maybe a breakout season for him this year.
1: I, I personally think he's he's definitely a contender for uh, the NL Cy Young overall. So uh, I'd like to yeah. see what else he can do. And, um I mean, he's going to be a big part of this team being successful. So it's good to see him yep. pitch well. Obviously, I mean, as I said earlier, I, I will continue to reiterate this throughout the whole season. These young guys in the bullpen had a great day, let alone from Jacob Ram, um, who obviously, I mean, you can put as much blame on him as possible, but he did impress last season. He had a ten Major League um, debut last year, and I just think uh, you shouldn't base your whole opinion on him in one game. Obviously, he didn't have a good game, but the rest of these guys that I just want to highlight, Drew Smith, Luis Avalon, Tyler um Daniel Zamora, and PJ Conlon, who who we got back from the Dodgers um mm-hmm. last season. Yeah, Granderson's trade.
3: Um is that or Yeah, go for is it. it. The to next, next split squad day. Okay. So our next game was against the Braves once again and we lost four to three. So yeah, um it was good to see. Corey Oswald got the start that day, left no
1: runs, and yeah.
3: So you want to take it from me? Yeah,
1: also also in that game we had a Veline pitch and Chris Flexen pitch, which are two guys that I think are still young and will be a huge mm-hmm. part of uh, yep. the pitching on this team come a few years from now. I mean, seven mm-hmm. Lines honestly, he he's, has impressed me so much, and I, I just think his – just overall, his, his demeanor towards the game is great. So um, mm-hmm. I'm really excited. And obviously Chris Flex and I want to see uh,
2: improve as
1: he's been a prospect for us for a while. So um, two guys that had good days against the Braves who are a division rival um, was great. And then we also lost again that day in a split squad. Um, we lost 14 to four to the Tigers, which I mean, spring training, I, I I don't really know what to say. There's not like, yeah. Once you we get to the regular have. season, I'll take takes on really what we should be doing, but mm-hmm. it's spring training. I, I don't really care whether or not we lose as long as mm-hmm. the guys who need to produce, produce. Mm-hmm. But we got to
3: see a little bit of our best bullpen. Jerry Familia laying up no runs, punching out one. Or Justin Wilson lay the a run, but punched out two. And we got to see Zach Wheeler, who we hope to see another resemblance of one he had in the second half of last season.
1: Mm-hmm. I, and just to highlight, I mean, Obviously, you said a few names there, but the only guy that did yeah. not let up a run in that game was Seth Lugo. Um, yeah, who I'm a huge, huge fan of highest spin rate I'm on, the on curve his curveball. The league, uh, just an, a legend. I, I think he's just going to become better and better. And I think it's obvious the reason a few mm-hmm. uh, teams asked about him this offseason, including the Astros themselves, uh, mm-hmm. is because they see the potential in him as as we do. So. I'm excited to see hopefully at some point he can make his way into the rotation, but that's just my personal uh, personal goal. And then uh, also in that game, uh, Nimmo DH'd and uh, Cano hit, went two for three, and Rosario went two for three as well. Um, that's good to see. With a run, which, I mean, Rosario's one of my favorite players personally. Um, mm-hmm. It's just nice to see him. Have a multiple hit game. So yeah, let's yeah. go into next game against the Marlins, which we won 14 to six.
3: It's good to come back the next day. 14, we lost 14-4. We come back 14 to six. So yeah, um, this today we saw the first look at Stephen Matz. Led up only a run, punched out three, and mm-hmm. yeah, he um it was a home run off the bat of Louis Brinson, so it wasn't too big of a think not get lit up. To see, um, but we also got to see a little bit of Rajay Davis, I think, home run, or no, no, Espinoza, Espinoza, JD, Espinoza, and
1: then yeah.
3: Rajay,
1: or JD, yeah. JD Davis, yeah, he went three yeah. for five, yeah, uh, yeah, along with Rosario home run. Yeah. yeah, yeah, along with Rosario, who had two doubles, um, Ooh, yeah, and then Paul Sewald, who I'm. I have a lot of faith going into this regular season. Um, he got caught off guard by a by a home run, but followed up with two K's afterwards. So not too worried about him. Uh, obviously, I mean you can't go perfect every single night. So mm-hmm. yep. uh, we're gonna go quickly into the break, and then when we come back, we're gonna do our game from today, and we're gonna talk a little bit about um, the position battles at first base. Got it. Hey, this is Max from the Ivy, and we hope you guys will tune in March 3rd at 4 p.m. Eastern time to tune into the Ivy. This week, we'll be talking about spring, new spring training news and notes, such as how you Darvish and Cole Hamels did in their first starts of the spring, as well as Know Your Enemy, the Washington Nationals. We'll also be doing our second segment of the Cup of Yesteryear, and we'll be doing Derek Lee. We hope you guys will tune into the Ivy this Sunday, March 3rd, at 4 p.m. Thanks, guys. All right, so we're back. Uh, we're going to talk about our game today, and we're going to talk about a little bit of uh, miscellaneous things about spring training, including the first-base position battle. So today we played the Cardinals. Uh, it was untelevised, so uh, some people might have missed it. Uh, we won 3-2. to two. Uh, And Alonzo, <laughs> according to DeComo, Anthony Tacomo had an opposite field two-run single, which you can't you can't argue with. I think anyone who can go opposite field, obviously, is showing signs um, of yep. their major league talent. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and we got to see our first look at Jason Vargas today. Um, he did already pitched two innings, um, one run, and punched out three. And that one run was off a home run off the bat of Matt Carpenter, who is,
1: I think, almost was an all-star last year, if not one. Yeah. I mean, I think he, in my opinion, he looks super good. Uh, I think because of the spring training, the just because of how they track stuff, the pitch count wasn't out there, and it didn't really have um, how he was pitching and the speed, but um, I'm going to assume because he was getting guys out that he was pitching, pitching well and using his pitches, as we were talking about a few podcasts ago, um, that he's trying to reinvent the way that he uses his off-speed pitches, so um, I'm gonna assume that that's what he was doing to get these guys out. But um, otherwise, in Florida, went two for four. Uh, he also Conforto. had a stone day. Yeah, um, that as well. And then, uh we also had another good day from Drew Smith, Louis Avalon, uh, Tyler Bachelor, and then uh, a redemption day for Tim Peterson and, or uh, er, actually David Peterson. I'm sorry. Redemption day for Mm -hmm. David Peterson, who gave up uh, three runs against the Astros in that 10-1 loss, and as well for Jacob Ram, who gave up three runs um, the other day as well. So uh, all Mm -hmm. those guys had a nice day, did not give up any runs, so that's nice to see. Yep. It was good to see young guys do good in spring training. Exactly. Hopefully they can translate it, but... um, I'm going to make a safe assumption that and say that they will because they did it last year. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the position battle so far. So, who do you think, in your opinion, would be your first baseman opening day right now, if it was up to you? Um, I'm a
3: I'm a big fan of uh, having Alonzo um for the extra year. I think we need a future, and I think winning the two weeks could uh definitely get us there, and we won't have to worry about re signing him for that big contract so we can keep him for that extra year. But um I think we have the options to fill that extra week too. I think we have J D Davis it, um I doubt Todd Frazier will be back, but um we have plenty of people to fill in that spot, spot. So um I'm not too worried about um a starting alongs opening day but yeah. That's what I got. Yeah,
1: and I mean other than uh Davis, I think Dominic Smith, I mean, he came into camp Skinnier than he was last year, and he did lose a lot of weight last year. So um, I'm excited to see what else he can do. He's only had five at that so far, but that's due to um, two walks, so it comes out to seven plate appearances. He's only played in four games, um, but he does have three hits. So he's hitting 600. Um, is on bases at his 714 because of the walks. And, I mean... Well, I, I say give him a chance. I say let Alonzo DH a few days and see what Dominic Smith can do at first. Um, yep. Especially because it should be more of a battle. It shouldn't be just assuming that Alonzo is going to be our major league talent because, I mean, whenever you make an assumption in baseball, it could turn out wrong, no matter who you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I think, so, you're sticking with J.D. Davis, and I... I I would like J.D. Davis on opening day, but if Dominic Smith also impresses, I think they should give him the chance. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and then also third base is obviously going to be a little bit of a contention uh, just because mm-hmm. of the Todd Frazier injury as well as the Jed Lowry injury. So, again, if it was up to you, who would be your third baseman opening day?
3: Um, if we slide Dominic Smith over to first base, you can always put J.D. Davis there. Um hmm so yeah, I think put J D Davis there. Hopefully, Jed Lowers back by opening day. Hopefully, Todd Frazier isn't too seriously injured. But yeah, I think those guys could be our opening day third basemen.
1: Yeah. And I think what's interesting is that obviously we we draft uh we didn't draft we we picked up an off season uh looking for versatility and obviously, I mean that's sort of why it's more of a question of. Who, less of who will win it, more of who will be able to be in the positions. I, I think all of these guys are definitely capable of, of being major league talents, including J.D. Davis, who really hasn't shown it yet, mm-hmm. but I think he's 100% capable when he really put the ball into his hands when the Astros really never did. Um,
3: actually, actually, I might want to change my pick. I think if we want to stick with J.D. Davis or Dom Smith at first base, I say we put um, I say we put Jeff McNeil at third base, and then we slide uh, Lagars back in the center, and then Conforto, mm. obviously in left, and Nimmo in right.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting or- take. And I mean, I was gonna, I was actually gonna hop into something about McNeil as well, but um, obviously he has not done too much this spring training. I mean, he's only played mm-hmm. in two games. He only has four at bats so far. Well, I mean, the, the most at-bats on the team, obviously, is uh, the guys that have played every day, which are between Alonzo and J.D. Davis at 16 and 12, and Conforto also at 12. So what's I think we got to gotta me give
3: him more at-bats.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, what's a little bit weird to me is the whole entire committing to McNeil in left field, but not really giving him that advantage during spring training to really – maximize his defensive talent out there so I just find that a little bit weird I'm going to make an assumption which obviously it's not good to assume in baseball but um I'm going to assume they're doing backfield stuff with McNeil away from the cameras and and working on his defense there I think the bat even though he had a great bat last year he should be working on his hitting so I don't know. I think in the next coming week, I, I would like to think that he's going to get more time than Gregor Blanco or Raja Davis, who both have nine at-bats already, um, or even guys like Keon Broxton, who will make the major league roster. I, I, I think he's sort of secured to make um, that backup role, say that double backup role behind Lagarus. Um, I do feel like McNeil should be filling out that left field spot and then you build around that rather than Yeah, like I agree. Leaving out and doing it on backfield. Um mm-hmm. so yeah. I say whoever deserves
3: thing. it deserves it in center field. It's either going to be exactly. Who would you say should be our center fielder if he has to choose between one or the other? Um Magars
1: or Broxton So yeah, if if it turns out that um we need to slide McNeil into third um, and then Conforto takes over left and Nimmo goes to right. If it was my decision between Ligaris and Broxton, that's hard because uh, I think Broxton, Ligaris is not as has had many at bats so far um, this spring training. But last year, judging by the way that he started, I mean, he was hitting super well and and he hit, Mm -hmm. um, for a decent amount of power, I mean not home run power, but double power and stretching singles and the doubles. And, and you know, unfortunately, he got hurt. So if it were my decision, I'd say Juan Lagares because he's just, I mean he's done it. He's done more at the major league level um, than Broxton. And Broxton, I feel like, is sort of just more of a, a defensive talent um, with power potential that really hasn't been unlocked yet. But for yep. a win-now team, I don't think we should be waiting for him to unlock that power. Mm-hmm. Yep, I totally agree on that. Yeah, and um, just another thing that I wanted to tack on is under the depth chart for um, the major league team, Rosario is the only listed shortstop on the team, which is a little bit nerve-wracking to me. I think um, I think the best way to go about that is to – get Hetch onto the Major League roster as soon as possible and mm-hmm. maybe kick kick down some of those bullpen guys, which I always talk about. But it it would be super important to have Hetch of Rhea out there. Obviously, he's not there for his his offense, but he's there because he he is one of the best gloves in the game. Um, yeah, I agree. He's seen it against us, and, and now hopefully we get to see it with us.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he's definitely shown off his glove in spring training. He's made a few good plays, and, yeah, can't wait. Mm-hmm. i say he's a solid backup if Ahmed ever needs one or gets um tragically injured.
1: Mm-hmm. And then the last thing that I really wanted to talk about was uh, Ramos. Uh, obviously, I mean, he's gone three for seven so far. He's only played in three games, but mm-hmm. I think, I mean, everyone that we acquired so far is sort of impressing Uh, other than obviously Familia needs to mess it up a little bit. Um, But I I just feel like I'm excited to see what, what really, what Brody set in motion. It just seems like that everything that he's done so far is great, Um, but it's only been one week. So it's baseball. Mm -hmm. It could be great one week and horrible the next. So, uh, we sort of have to wait and see. Yeah, the one question
3: I had for you, obviously Ramos is going to be the opening day catcher, but uh, obviously we'll need a
1: backup. So who do you think it should be, Travis Darno, or Devin Mesuraco? Uh, You know, I think it should definitely be Mesiraco, but I'm going to put a little mm-hmm. asterisk next to that just because they've been talking about Darno being sort of their Austin Romine in a sense where, could play catcher some days or you could slide him in at third base or you can slide him into the outfield, which we haven't seen it all yet. He hasn't even played. Mm-hmm. It, uh, he hasn't even played the outfield professionally yet. He hasn't, he's played third and second in the same game only once. Um, so I don't really know how Darno really fits into the whole scheme of things. It just seems like they don't want to let go of him. They don't want um let go the talent because obviously there's talent there. I think Darno is a really good catcher once the health is there, but I mean he just mm-hmm. cannot stay. Healthy. Um. So I did, after my little spiel, which I always have to spiel a little bit, but um, I think Darno won't be the backup catcher, and I think Mazaraco will take it mm-hmm. specifically because Degrom and Mazaraco have a great relationship and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that should be playing to Degrom at this point after uh, annoying him this off season.
3: Yeah. Um. Yeah. Also, Trabstin is coming off a little bit of an energy injury, so we don't want to bug that or poke that a little bit more than it already is.
1: Oh yeah, and I feel like we're saying that most of the time that he's he's going to be mm-hmm. coming off this. So, um, um, you know, it it is what it is. I really think he. Originally, he was the biggest part of the deal with Guy. I mean, he was this huge catching prospect and a team that hadn't had a really great catcher since Piazza. So, I mean, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: yeah. And he sort of just, it sort of just fell through. Um, But luckily, we we also got Syndergaard in that deal. And Mm -hmm. look how that's working. Yeah. All right. Is it time for
3: credits now?
1: Yeah. So I just wanted to thank you. I really appreciate you coming on.
2: Uh, I love
1: when you no call problem. in, so I always invite you. Me. There's always an open invitation for you to be on. Um, yep. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on and helping us in our time of need. <laughs> um, appreciate yeah, you, you for having you, me. For sure, and just plug your Instagram and whatever else you want to plug, and then. Oh,
3: we'll
1: be- I usually don't like doing this, but um, I guess go follow Mets Station
3: and NYM dot Miners if you want the Mets. Best Mets, uh, Mets, my league, and Mets news.
1: So yeah, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Again, Tim, and thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Chris Vile, for being a part of the podcast, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Bye.
2: Amazing Mets is produced by Benson Fector. Amazing Mets is a production of the Baseball Podcast Network. Be sure to follow our hosts on Instagram, Jake at the first one sixty two, and Tim at Mets Follow the Amazing Mets Podcast on their Instagram as well, at Amazing Mets Podcast. For more Amazing Mets Podcast content, be sure to head over to our website at baseballpodcastnet.com be sure to follow the Baseball Podcast Network on all their social media platforms as well. Instagram, at Baseball Net. Twitter, at Baseball Podcast One. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-1. YouTube at Baseball Podcast Network. And SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to Amazing Mets. We'll see you next time.